Hello, everyone. This is Nikki Bruno with the Epic Comeback Podcast, where warrior women who've gone through absolute caca give you advice on getting to the other side of yours. Today, I am very, very honored, privileged, and excited to be speaking with someone really special who I met not too long ago. Her name is Erin Levine, and Erin is, by all accounts, an absolute superstar rock star in the divorce industry. She is a family law attorney. She is also the founder and CEO of Hello Divorce. And I do, before she introduces herself, want to highlight that I think Erin is a superstar and rock star in the divorce industry because she has done something that no one else I know in the family law industry um, has done, is that she has been an absolute rock star attorney who has worked in the upper echelons of the field and made a decision to start a company that brings extraordinarily high level of knowledge and expertise and experience in family law to help good old regular people to make divorce less expensive, less mysterious, and much more empowering and easy of a process to go to go through and bringing that really to the masses. So without further ado, Erin, welcome, welcome, welcome very warmly to the Epic Comeback Podcast. Thank you, Nikki. <clears throat> that was such a generous introduction. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it. And I think that sometimes what's missed about the product, the service that we provide, is the fact that I did take my 15 years of experience as a divorce lawyer and used it, leveraged it to design this product that will help hopefully as many people as possible get through the divorce process conveniently, um, with less conflict, and in a way that's successful. And I know we don't look at divorce as being successful, but it is and can be if it helps you to close one chapter, and as you know, um, and feel the same way and build upon, get ready for that next. Absolutely. And so Erin, I want to give you the mic for a second um, to tell us a little bit, a little bit more about yourself. Like, where do you live? And um, also to get a sense of what, what does your day kind of look like these days? I know we're in an unusual sort of apocalyptic pandemic moment at the right now, but um, in terms of your work with Hello Divorce and just kind of your day to day, what's keeping you busy these days? Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little busy. Um, not too bad. <laughs> so right now I continue to grow and scale and manage Hello Divorce. I also have two children, um, the same age as yours, five and eight. And I manage Levine Family Law Group, which is a law firm that supports the clients that work through the Hello Divorce process. So as an example, many of our clients use our Divorce Navigator, which is a form generating software to help them go through divorce and prepare their divorce forms. But sometimes they need a little extra help along the way from a lawyer or mediator just to ensure they're on the right path or get help with negotiation, that kind of thing. And the lawyers at Levine Family Law Group support uh, those clients. 
Really, really, really awesome. So it sounds kind of like you have the equivalent of maybe three full-time jobs right now. <laughs> that's kind yeah, of pretty much so. I mean, that's kind of how I've always been. I'm a multitasker. I love um, my, I mean, I'm passionate about the work that I do. It's so important to me. So yeah, um, pretty much three full-time jobs. Hello Divorce is even a little bit trickier lately because we are expanding into several new states. Mm -hmm. As you know, law varies from state to state. There's some, you know, things that everyone has to do, like disclose finances and file a petition or at least a first document. But for the most part, the law and procedure changes in every state. Yes. So I've had to learn a little bit or a lot about law in each state and then help to build out that state so we can launch. So right now it is definitely a little bit more challenging than usual. Yeah, certainly. I can really relate to that from being in the publishing industry and in the educational publishing industry because what, ha what has happened in that industry is that um, textbooks in a certain topic like English literature or social studies are customized to each state. And there's a very different educational culture in each state. And so in order to customize a textbook for say, um, U.S. history in Texas, you have to learn all about what's going on in Texas and how Texas, uh, you know, how, how folks in Texas have approach the study of history. So, yeah. Wow, I had no idea. I had no idea. That's so interesting to me. And um, it's a little bit more than that, right? Because you have to make sure that you're connecting with the right resources. You can especially nowadays, Google anything, but how reliable is that information that the consultants that you choose to work with are bringing a fresh perspective, but also reporting back to you in a way that makes the most sense and it's accurate. So I think there are definitely a lot of similarities there. Yes, and definitely similar challenges. You're right. You have to get the right information and you've got different publishing organizations, different companies that are jockeying to be the publishing company that is adopted, it, whose products, whose books are adopted in a certain state. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's kind of interesting how we, how like I can relate to what you're going through because of, of my past career experience. Um, yeah. So Erin, let's kind of get into the, into the nitty gritty here in that this is a podcast that is by and for mostly women. I've had some men on as well who have been through a life-shattering experience, who've been through something traumatic, whether it be divorce, illness, loss. I mean, it runs the gamut. I have had folks on here who've, got, who've gone through, let's say three traumatic experiences over a period of two years. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really, this podcast is about folks who are staging epic comebacks after going so through something epically bad. So mm -hmm. would you please summarize for us, you're no stranger to going through something really difficult, would you please summarize for us what you personally went through and what was kind of the worst, the worst of it? Yeah, absolutely. And I love that about your podcast. I think all of us who have been through trauma can relate to everyone's experience in one way or another, even if it was a totally different trauma that, you know, became the impetus to creating change in your life and starting a new career and all that kind of stuff that comes with making the choice to grow from it as opposing to let it, you know, opposed to letting it take you down. Yes. Um, so I was a gymnast, an elite gymnast when I was a young child, which meant that I spent six to eight hours in the gym every day. And unfortunately, 
I had a very, very abusive gymnastics coach who was physically, sexually, verbally, emotionally abusive. And gymnastics, as we know, is an individual sport. So you're not really reaching out to your teammates for support because they're competitors. So we were sort of alienated from each other in a very isolated experience, very little schooling, a lot of gymnastics, one goal in mind, which was the Olympics. And you're really willing to do whatever it takes to get there because you're so young and you don't know what else is out there in life, what else is there to bring you joy. So after a decade or so of abuse, I went away to college and I was there for, gosh, not even a month before it sort of light bulb went off. This is not okay and he's likely abusing other kids. Yeah. Um, so I traveled back to Los Angeles. I, I didn't answer your question earlier. Now I live up in the Bay Area. I'm in Alameda, my company in Oakland. But I traveled back to Los Angeles where I grew up and marched into the police station and told my story. So from there, I was led down a path that included a lot of the legal system. I was a plaintiff in a civil lawsuit against my coach, George Rivera, and I was a witness in the criminal action against him. And while I received justice in that traditional sense of the word, he went to prison for a short period of time, but he did go, it just felt awful. I found the legal system to be really triggering, emotional, um, completely inefficient, confusing, scary, you name it. And so it was really that experience that led me to decide I wanted to have a career in law. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And then it took several years after that to get my life together enough that I could actually really go back to school and, um, you know, dive in. What a story. Thank you very much for sharing that with all of us. And Erin, um, I think, I mean, not, there's just there's such a theme of courage here. Courage to share your story now, even though it's been years. Courage to share your story at that time when you were co in college and to look back on what had happened to you and decide to do something about it. And as you were talking, especially in the beginning, about the isolation of, of gymnasts from each other, that made me think about how much isolation and abuse kind of go together. Mm. You know, like, because there are so many, the worst of the abuse, I think, that happens in our society happens in privacy. It happens behind closed doors, whether it's physical, verbal, emotional, sexual, any kind of financial abuse. It tends, to, it tends to happen in isolation. And here you were, I, I haven't really thought about that in terms of, you know, I think swimming, right, is a similar kind of sport where, where you are, your achievements are mostly individual and yet there's this, also this team aspect in, you know, in scoring. And so you really, are, you really are competing alongside the people who are supposed to be your teammates. And it just seems to me that that, that must be, I mean, very much in, in, in the media right now, like there, there are documentaries and there's one on Netflix right now I know about, um, about gymnastics coaching in particular 
and how it seems to be this kind of, um, among elite gymnastics, this context that gives rise to a certain kind of abuse that can end up going on for, like you said, a decade. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And the unfortunate part is that this abuse is not new. You know, I suffered it in the late 80s, early 90s. And shortly thereafter, a book was written, I think it was called Little Girls in Pretty Boxes that exposed this culture. And now we find how many years later, 25 years later, that most of the top gymnasts in this country have been abused. It's just devastating and awful. And um, I definitely think there are a lot of similarities between, um, you know, any type of abuse, whether it be emotional abuse or sexual abuse, whether it be as a child or in a dating or marital relationship. But I think we can all really relate to that feeling of shame, the feeling of loneliness, of helplessness. I know for me at the time, I thought to myself, well, if this is the worst thing that happens to me, I can handle it. Like, it's okay. I was doing it Uh, for my dream. A lot of times we mothers do it for our children, right? We think that we're actually giving them the benefit of providing stability and shielding them from the pain that we're going through. And so we stay with it. And that's not the only reason, but that does end up being like a justification. And, um, you know, it just breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they're just, there, there are, there are some things that happen that just kind of suck and we have to say that they suck and it's awful and it's not okay. And Mm -hmm. abuse is one of those things, period. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And anything that we can do, I mean, I know personally, if I could leave any legacy, it would be to, it would be to create awareness about and eventually eradicate. For me, it's emotional abuse. Um, That's, that's kind of my kind of biggest thrust. Mm -hmm. Uh, really any kind of, really any kind of abuse of power because it's just gross and wrong and messed up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, so, so let's, let's talk about the epic comeback part now because very, very clearly, at least from where I sit, what I, you know, I'm talking to somebody who really, really staged an epic comeback in her life and it takes a total warrior to get to the other side of what, in my opinion, of what you're describing. So what is the best thing or what, what has been the best thing about, about being, being on that other side, about being where you are now or you know, around that time where you could confidently say, I've put the pieces back together. I am back and this is my life now. I've made a comeback. What was the best thing about that? I think that the best thing about that was really getting to live my life differently, being confident enough after all of that work, all of that self-growth, all of the therapy, all of the, you know, book reading, all of the relationship building, everything that I did to build a community, um, and getting to choose the path that I want to live. And then, of course, being able now with Hello Divorce to guide people, a lot of people who've been very traumatized either in relationship or as they exit relationship or chose partners 
that are similar to the traumatic or abusive experiences that they suffered as a child mm -hmm. um, help those people um, to navigate not just the legal process, but like all of the overwhelm that comes with it and educate them. I'm not a therapist, but I certainly can tell when someone's being reactionary because of a trigger or trauma as opposed to somebody who is feeling in their body and can hear their voice and can authentically speak it. So to help people notice that, um, because it's a work in progress, right? We're all, I mean, we all have moments where we're making a statement because we wanna be liked or because we don't wanna be judged or because we think it's what the other person wants to hear. Mm -hmm. But being able to like help people notice when that's happening is so powerful. And it's a great reminder to myself because it is an epic comeback. Absolutely. I mean, I was lower than low, suicidal, did drugs, um, left school, disengaged with my family, and like ultimately worked my way back up to what could be, you know, what feels like a really functional and healthy life. But it does feel like it's in stages. Just when I think I've climbed that last mountain of emotional health, I realize, wow, this is something that I really need to deal with and I need to deal with it now. I need to face it head on. But I like that stuff, like that that's self-work, that like climbing the mountain. Yes. Um, I'm just lucky that that happens to be like who I am at the core. Mm-hmm. And I'm also really lucky that I was able to get coaches and therapists early on that were amazing. Um, not gymnastics coaches, but life coaches that yeah. really like, that were just really quality people and professionals. I'm so glad. I, I'm so glad that you found wonderful individuals, experts to help you. I'm also so glad that it was and is part of your core personality to do that, you know, to do personal work. I mean, it really truly is work. And, and that's something that I like to highlight. Number one, because I want to sort of help people understand and expect that you can't just put a Band-Aid on abuse. Like it's, you know, and trauma. It's, as you were saying, like when you go through their trauma, every different type of trauma, we, we who've gone through a type of trauma, which is basically everyone in the human race, you know, it's just a matter, it's a, just a matter of kind of extremity and what type we can relate to each other. Um, and so, and, and healing from trauma and kind of moving along within that process, you know, grief process and, and self, um, self exploration process, it really does take time. And it's not like, it's not like, you know, let's say if you're, if you're grieving the death of somebody, you're going to go through, let's say, a three-month period, and then it's just all done and gone, right? You know, it could be years, it could be 10 years down the road. Let's, let's say maybe you're, one of your children is getting married, and all of a sudden you, you really are grieving, let's say, the death of your father again. So, like, so, so trauma is something that, that takes hard work and, you know, looking in the mirror a lot and, and really having a lot of emotional courage to face. And I'm also, I also find it fascinating that you what you're saying about how abuse is an intergenerational cycle as well. And mm -hmm. folks who you've worked with who are going through the divorce process are facing the reality. I think, I think this is what you were saying about how maybe their spouse is, um, has fallen into the same pattern of abuse that that person went through 
when he or she was a child. And so what you're doing ultimately is you're helping to stop intergenerational cycles of abuse. Yeah, I mean, I sure hope so. I think, you know, (laughs) it's less about us stopping it because if someone chooses Hello Divorce as a service, oftentimes they're really ready to do that work or have already started to embark on it. Sure. Um, But we certainly want to support it and acknowledge it. Like the legal piece is confusing and it's hard and there's a lot that goes with it. I mean, you're dissolving the most complicated financial contract of your life, the marital contract, right? So we want to people to know that there's a certain number level of seriousness that you need to take, that you need to get the right um, counsel, that you need to think through every decision that you make, but you don't need to do that in a vacuum. You know, you can do it in a way where you feel supported, where you have the resources that you need, um, where you learn how to co-parent or communicate with your ex in a way that feels empowering uh, without necessarily turning everything into a full-blown war. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are like the types of tools that that we're trying to give people. And also it's like about who we hire. Like a lot of the, the people that are on our team have been through divorce, been through trauma, been through both, um, have shared their stories on the Hello Divorce blog. And while they might be legal experts, they're also real human beings with really big hearts and left like a big billable hour mill of a firm mm-hmm. and now wanted to work somewhere that comports with their conscience. Comports with their conscience. I love that. And that, you know, that's, that's, to me, that's the, as I mentioned at the beginning, that's the rock starist kind of quality of, of what you've created. Because um, as I, I've been a, a divorce and empowerment coach for just over two years now. And the, and the more networking I do within the family law industry, as you could, it's almost like you can kind of like separate, separate people into two camps, like those who are all about, you know, the billable hour mill and, you know, and making money and kind of driving up charges and being bulldogs and all that kind of thing. And then you also have people who are really in it for the, for, for, for selfless reasons and wanting to help and having some kind of personal connection to divorce and perhaps being you know children when their parents got divorced and who really really want to bring some sense of sanity and order and support and accessibility to the family law and divorce process because i think most people associate divorce with being a super super painful and you know probably there's some kind of hanky-panky involved or there's infidelity or you know people who couldn't make it work and so divorce is kind of like a a lot of people look at divorce as a failure but what i want to remind people of is that in cases of abuse and um in cases yeah basically in cases of abuse and coercion and um really kind of disgusting things that happen among human beings Divorce also equals liberation for many yeah, people. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a means to an end. It's a means to your own happy ending, a way to take control of your life, to make a better life, to model healthy relationships for your children. Divorce is definitely not who you are. It's just where you're at in that moment. And I think that's what we need to remember, especially because divorce is such a process. It's not a sprint. It does take time. 
Yes. And so the more we can remind ourselves, like this is a step in a positive direction, even if we didn't choose it, right? Like if your spouse wasn't happy in the relationship or wasn't happy with themselves and therefore the relationship broke down, like this is now going to be your opportunity to find a relationship where somebody like sees you for who you are and celebrates you because of it. So I'd like to think of it as certainly a much more positive experience than the media likes to portray it. Right. I agree with you completely, 100%. Yeah. Well, Erin, we've really come to kind of the essence of this of, of the podcast in terms of my purpose, which is to provide some words of advice and inspiration to our listeners. And our listeners are intentionally meant to be folks who are going through the caca and the, and the trauma mm -hmm. right now. And they don't know, they don't see the other side yet, you know, don't know how to get to the other side, don't know if they're going to get to the other side. So based on your personal and, and definitely professional expertise, what is something, what would you like to say to them right now in terms of getting to the other side? Okay, let's see. So much. Let me see if I can break it down. You so got it. Take your time. First thing is... Um, you don't have to have all the answers all at once. Like you don't need to know everything you okay. need to, but having a strategy and a plan in place is great. That plan might change. The strategy may change and that's okay. But having an overarching plan for how you're going to walk through the next six, 12, 18 months and breaking that down into actionable steps, bite-sized pieces is super helpful. The other thing is, is that the negative self-talk, like we have to address that. Right now, somebody is watching or listening to this podcast and saying to themselves, oh, I really shouldn't be doing this. I should be doing X. Um, that negative self-talk is so damaging. And so what I do when I'm feeling that way is I talk to myself as if, um, I'm talking to either my four-year-old self or my best friend. What would I tell my best friend right now? What would she need to hear? Because that's truly what, like, what generally we need to hear as well. Mm -hmm. um, we're still that four-year-old self that needs to be and wants to be loved and seen and taken care of. And so that's one strategy that I use a lot. Um, there's a few books that I always keep by my bedside when I'm feeling overwhelmed or um, triggered or I just can't access what's going on and what I'm feeling. So the authors are uh, Cleo Wade, Lala Delia, and oh, there's so many, but those are two in particular. I also love Flow Magazine, so I like actually like a hard copy, some paper that I can touch and see. And so what I love about Flow Magazine is that it has not only like inspirational stories and great poetry, but it has like crafts and beautiful photographs. And it's just designed to slow us down. Mm -hmm. And most of us are moving so, so fast and we really don't have that much time. But let's say we find and carve out 20 minutes between after the kids go to bed and we go to bed. Maybe we're able to carve out a little time after we make lunches and after we do everything we can do. Giving yourself 15, 20 minutes of solid like love doing something that you enjoy is 
so healing and so important. So, you know, I, I think that it's okay to be selfish right now. Um, that has such a bad connotation. You are a good person. You're still doing everything. You're still like bringing kindness to the world and doing everything you have to do. So if for the first time in your life, you spend a little bit more time focusing on you, that that's okay. In fact, I think that's, that's really wonderful. I agree with you so much. And what I love about your, about your thoughts and these ideas is that they're very specific. It isn't just, Hey, believe that you're awesome and you can do it. It's like, here are some actual, here's some actual concrete ideas for how to address this and how to spend your time. And I think also, especially for us moms, I really wish like, you know, if I had a microphone and I were talking to everyone in the world, especially moms, I would say that when you're feeding yourself and when you are loving on yourself, your children benefit from that. Yeah. When you are when you are kind of, um, what do they say, burning the candle at both ends and when you're being everything to everyone else but yourself and you're not treating yourself as someone who's worthy of time, love, attention, you know, just TLC, then you're really not doing any favors, especially for your children or your spouse or, you know, or other people in your life, your colleagues, all of that. And I mean, I think in a way you could kind of flip that whole selfishness concept that you were just talking about and say, you know, it's actually in a way it's selfish to be, to be spending all of your time and energy on other people to sort of help you feel like you're providing for everyone else. But in the end you're burning, you're you're burning yourself out. And at some point you're going to end up in, I don't know, a really bad place. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. And it's something that me and my husband have learned the hard way. You know, um, we thought that, you know, just grinding and working nonstop would, you know, like give us the, like the prosperity and whatever, like what we needed to, to take care of our kids and our kids just kind of lost their way. And, Um, when we slowed, when we finally did slow down, and sometimes it means like one of us is like, you know, ramping up while the other one is not, because sometimes it still requires us to remind each other, like slow down. But when we do it, um, our kids are like totally different people. And they actually like to see when I take care of myself. Like they, they actually enjoy that. It's very sweet. And I want to model for them what I want them to do for themselves too. Like, um, when you said these actionable like tips and tools, like I'm only going to provide your audience with things that have worked for me. I'm not just going to, you know, bring them down what I've read because I have no idea if that's going to be successful for someone. I have no idea if what I've shared is going to be successful for you, but it's been successful for me and a lot of people in my life. And so hopefully at the very least, it will inspire people to think of other things that they can do for themselves. Um, a morning walk, tea out on the patio. Um, these feel like little things, but they make the biggest difference ever. They really do, yeah. especially now. I mean, coronavirus, fires, hurricanes, um, election, and having the uncertainty. Like, it's not just a crisis that we're moving past. Like, now we have to live in this era of uncertainty. Yeah. Um, we need to take care of ourselves more than ever. 
it is really hard. And as I, I'm positive that you're seeing, and I'm seeing it too, the stress of, there's, there's so many unknowns when you're going through a divorce. When you're going through a divorce during a pandemic, there are even yeah. more unknowns. You know, how, when am I even going to get into court for, for some kind of action to be taken care of? It's just yeah. so hard. <laughs> yeah. We've actually seen a lot of people who were, had been separated for months or years decide to use this time to get their divorce done, like their home, they're in front of their computer. Yep. Um, you know, they have something in common with their ex. I mean, all sorts of stuff. So that's been really interesting to me that people would actually decide that now's the time as opposed to like it just happening. But, um, you know, they people are moving through it a lot quicker than they were before for whatever reason. Hmm. That's These are primarily uncontested divorces or mediated divorces. Contested divorces, well... Um, you know, that's a whole nother story because a lot of those early hearings were continued and till now. So yeah. not only are clients stressed out and freaked out and having to manage remote learning or flexible learning schedule for their kids, but the lawyers are stressed out as well because they have one hearing after another after another mm -hmm. on a platform, usually virtual, that lawyers aren't usually used to be working with. Yeah. And then um, the lawyers who have kids, forget it. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, there's that too. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that. You're in the middle of a hearing and you've got your, you know, your five-year-old coming in asking for a popsicle or asking you to help them wipe their poop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's like seriously no better time than to just throw our hands up than right now because everybody is in a similar situation. And what yeah. we know in marketing um, and in life is that like when people can connect with you when you're authentic, like that um, is that's what makes people successful. Everyone, but especially millennials, want to connect with um, the human behind the company or the story and the experience. And so now's our shot, you know. Sorry, I was here. No, no, I jumping I from subject to subject. <laughs> Not at all. I love. That. I mean, that just got that just stopped me up right there to really think about that. I well, mean, that's I, what I think you've done so great, and why you've been able to like, you know, rise to the top, if you will, so quickly in the divorce industry, is because you just came right out with it. Like, this is who I am. This is my story, and this is how I can help. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't do that. They're not brave enough to share their story. They hide behind it or they only sh share what's um, the highlights. And people are wise to that. No one really wants to see that, especially if they're going through their own trauma. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, thank you for that, Erin. I mean, that's so meaningful to me. And it just, it makes me feel, it makes me feel really, really proud I, I, I like I'm sitting here feeling really, really proud of you for telling your story, you know, coming out of high school, entering college and go to, like just walking into that police station and using your voice. I feel proud of myself for doing the same thing. And this is how change happens, period. This is how change happens. This is how people know who to reach out to. Mm -hmm. You know, I would send like I would send someone to you in a second because you're a survivor, because you've been around the block, because and because you're passionate and you care and you're authentic. And those are the kinds of things that 
you know, you, you say, I haven't read studies of sort of millennials and what they're looking for from marketing, but, but I, can, I can relate to that very much so. Well, it's all anecdotal, but we, I mean, that's the difference between the firm versus low divorce. And with the firm, I might have five, 10 people walking in in a month. Um, with a low divorce, it could be hundreds. So I get to learn a lot more about people's stories and journeys, which I, I, I personally really love to do. Um, I'd add one title to what you said about me, and that is my five-year-old says I'm a princess, an old princess though, but a princess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm I was on my mind. She just said it last night. She was trying on glasses and she's like, mom, you're such a princess, but you know, like an old princess. So. An old one. That's really interesting because, because I'm trying, I'm, I'm imagining my five-year-old daughter saying that to me and I'm not really sure exactly what she would mean. Like, does she mean that you're sort of, you're a totally normal princess, but old, or does it mean that you're like an older school princess, like a Cinderella or a Sleeping Beauty instead of like a, like the, the sisters from Frozen? No, I think it was the, the first. The okay. First. Yeah. Like she still puts me in the same category still. Cause she's five, not my eight year old, but the five year old still puts me in the same category as like an awesome Frozen princess. Oh. But you know, she wanted me to know that, you know, I, I don't look, uh, 18 anymore <laughs> <laughs> right your waist isn't like this right yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. for all i know it is but anyway enough about that yeah. <laughs> body image is a whole other different topic for oh sure. my gosh i'm enjoying this chat so much i have one last question it's a really short question and it's it's meant to be fun because this is a podcast about being epic so i want to ask you aaron if you could have any superpower that you don't already have what would it be Oh gosh, that's so tough. We were just watching Supergirl yesterday and oh, nice. um, it's like this new show on the CW. It's ridiculous, but we love it. And we were talking about powers. Um, oh no, I'm not sure. Um, gosh, this one's really tough. Um, what have some of your other guests answered or have you asked them? I, I, yeah, I've asked this question a lot and people usually say some kind of superpower that they already have, you know, like I wish I had the power to like heal people who, you know, heal everyone that I come into contact with. And I'm like, well, it sounds like you kind of have that power. And then a lot of people say they want to fly. That's like definitely the top answer. It's so funny. Like the first thing that came to my mind was invisibility. Like I still, and I, I know that sounds like oh she just wants to sort of like hide away um but i'm so curious about people's stories and what they do and how they walk through the world and what makes them tick that that's really more of like this voyeur in me that i want to like see truly what's going on and um like that inspires me i can't say that that would be the number one i'd really have to think about it but like in the moment that's what came up for me oh well that's all i'm looking for it doesn't have to one. I mean, if you think of something, you know, at 3 a.m., you can just email me tomorrow and let me know. I think it's the, like, perfectionist in me, right? I want to get the answer right. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> the same way. I'd be like, I have, wait, no, I'm going to be thinking about this for the next three days. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, Erin, um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very, very intensely busy schedule to chat with me. Where, where can we find you online? How do we follow you? How do we find out more about Hello Divorce? And how do we, how do we reach out to you? Yeah, so our website is hellodivorce.com. 
and my handle across all social media, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is at hello divorce. And I manage those accounts. So it's me if you're messaging or wanting to connect for the most part. And then Aaron Levine at, um, on LinkedIn, which I'm, I'm pretty active on as well. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And Levine is spelled L-E-V-I-N-E -E, and Aaron is E-R-I-N. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, Aaron, thank you again. And I know that there's many people who are listening who are able to relate so much to what you're, to what you have shared with us and also will, will benefit from the advice and inspirational words that you provided. So thank you again. Um, this is Nikki Bruno and Aaron Levine on the Epic Comeback podcast. For more great ideas on how to stage an epic comeback after a life-shattering experience, please visit theepiccomeback.com.